0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Joyful Courage podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and a conscious human on the wild ride of parenting. I am thrilled that you are listening in. Today, I have a super special guest on talking about how we can all keep it together as we move through the upcoming holiday season. Now, here in the States, we just celebrated Thanksgiving a very loaded holiday considering the brutal history of what the settlers did to the native tribes and the history there between whites and native americans i cringe to think about the pilgrim and indian reenactments that i grew up with moving through elementary school And it is a day that invites family to sit around a table, sharing food and hopefully reflecting on what they're feeling grateful for. I am currently feeling incredibly grateful for family and health this year and for the culinary gifts of my husband's Aunt Darlene. We had a feast hosted by Uncle Beecher and Aunt Darlene. Thank you so much for having us and the rest of the family. It was beautiful to be together after not being able to be together last year. What you're gonna hear about on today's show is how to move through the rest of this season in a way that feels connected. I realized when we finished recording the interview that we really only focused on the Christmas holiday, kind of maybe feels like there's an assumption that that's the only holiday that's happening. So I wanted to just take a minute and highlight the other winter holidays that maybe you celebrate. Here we go. Thank you, Wikipedia. So there is Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a Jewish festival and is celebrated for eight days. Hanukkah reaffirms the ideals of Judaism and commemorates in particular, the rededication of the second temple of Jerusalem by the lighting of candles on each day of the festival. There is Christmas, which is an annual festival commemorating the birth of Jesus Christ, observed primarily on December 25th as a religious and cultural celebration among billions of people around the world. There's also Las Posadas. Las Posadas commemorates the journey that Joseph and Mary made from Nazareth to Bethlehem in search of a safe refuge where Mary could give birth to the baby Jesus. There's Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa is an annual celebration of African-American culture that's held from December 26th through January 1st, culminating in a communal feast called Karamu. I realize I do not know how to pronounce that. And that is usually held on the sixth day. The winter solstice, also called the Himal solstice or Hibernal I might be butchering that word, solstice. It occurs when either of the Earth's poles reaches its maximum tilt away from the sun. This happens twice yearly, once in each hemisphere. And finally, another holiday that happens during this time of year and maybe your family celebrates it is called soyal. It is the winter solstice ceremony of the Zuni and Hopi people held December 21st, the shortest day of the year. Participants ceremonial, ceremonially bring the sun back from its long slumber, mark the beginning of another cycle of the wheel of the year and work on purification. So listen, listen, Even if Christmas isn't your jam, I know that you will take away good nuggets about how to create the holiday season you want regardless of how you celebrate it, okay? Also, don't forget that you can sign up for the 7-Day Holiday Challenge by going to joyfulcourge.com slash 7-Day Challenge. We start this Wednesday, Wednesday the 1st. This is a week-long experience of community and growth as we dial in our connection with our teens to create the holiday season we want. Sign up now. It's totally free. Okay? It's totally free. Go to joyfulcourage.com slash seven-day challenge. Bring your friends. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. You ready to get on with it? (laughs) Let's do it. Let's get on with the show. Friends, I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today. Erica Suter is a nationally recognized voice in parenting news and parenting advice. She has over 20 years of journalism experience and is a frequent contributor on Good Morning America and other national broadcast outlets where it's her job to speak to parents across the country about the issues, the controversies, and the trends most affecting families today. Her new book is How to Have a Kid and a Life, A Survival Guide. Erica's work appears on The Bump, What to Expect, Cafe Mom, and Mom.com, all high-traffic parenting sites that reach millions of moms every month. Her writing has also been featured in People Magazine, Us Weekly, Essence, Cosmopolitan, Self, and WebMD. She received her bachelor's degree from Georgetown University and a master's degree from Columbia University Graduate School of journalism. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you. Very excited to be here.
0: I am so excited to have you here. Will you share a little bit with the listeners about your journey of getting into the parent education
1: scene? Yeah, of course. So I started my journalism career in entertainment and health. And I work for high profile magazines, travel the country, interviewing people, whether it was, you know, um, JLo or <laughs> Jennifer Aniston and then I also covered, you know, stories about uh, health medical miracles and things like that. And it was a really amazing career. But when I had a family, it just wasn't conducive to family life. So I started to shift toward most of the more health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And I started, got a job at a wonderful website called Cafe Mom, and it was all about the parenting journey. And so I was an editor there, but I wasn't just editing copy every day. I also dived into focus groups and mommy meetups and I went to conferences and I started just doing research because I wanted to be more on top, of what parents care about and what they want to know. And to also find out if parents had the same issues that I did, right? Mm Because parenting can seem kind of isolating and lonely when you're struggling with something. And so um, I started just gathering all of this information and I decided that I want to write a book on these things that we don't talk about. I want to write a book on all those things that parents struggle with that they don't necessarily share. So, you know, my book isn't actually about raising your kids at all. It's actually about raising yourself and the person that you, that is born when you have a child and you are a different person and your life is different. And I don't care how much you prepare, Mm -hmm. you're going to hit some hurdles that you didn't expect. And oftentimes you don't feel like we have outlets to discuss those or or ways to figure out what's happening. And it hits us like suddenly. And I wanted to have a book that put all these issues together from what happens to you in your career, your marriage, your relationship with women who don't have kids, your relationships with women who do have kids. Like that's also a minefield that can be mm-hmm, least. For and sure, I kind of put it all together in this guide because it's what I needed when I was a new parent.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that language that you just used about who we are birthed into as we yeah, become mothers yeah. because it is, it's such a big shift. And my focus is on parents of teens and granted, you know, I got into parent education when my kids were really little. And so my focus was parents of little kids and it's grown as my journey has moved forward. And listening to you talk just about shifting from no kids to kids, it's kind of the same experiences moving from like school age kids into adolescence, right? You can, oh, yeah. you can prepare, you can read the books, you can do all the things. God bless all of you out there that are listening, looking ahead and thinking, "I'm going to get on top of it by listening to this podcast." Because you know some of the stuff that shows up, you don't see coming for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I
1: think I think what we don't expect is that with every stage our child goes through, we become new parents because we have yeah. to adapt to what that kid needs at this stage. You know, I have. Uh, four-year-old and a 13-year-old. And I am two different parents yeah. all the time <laughs> yeah. because they need totally different things. And I think that you never think about that, right? You don't really, when you become a parent, you're like diaper bag, you know, car seat, stroller. Yeah. the gear. Get the gear. It's you're the gear. good. <laughs> yeah. And that is not, that is so far from being a complete list of things that you need or things that you need to prepare for. So, yeah. So I talk a lot about this thing called metrescence and it's this is idea that you're constantly growing. It sounds like mm. adolescence for a reason because when you become a parent, you go through all those crazy hormonal shifts, the changes in friends, the changes in lifestyle, all those things that change when you are becoming an adolescent. Mm. So it's like, I want parents to give themselves a little grace to understand if you're feeling overwhelmed and crazy or Things aren't going how you planned in your head. That is more normal than things going perfectly. And what I love
0: about that too is anytime there's a book and it's like, actually, it's not about your kids. It's about you. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Because I feel like this is one long personal growth and development workshop, Mm -hmm. right? And if Mm -hmm. we can be in that mindset, I think it's such an easier, well, I won't say easier, But it's a different journey than when we stay stuck in, but how do I get my kids to do what I want? But how do I fix this behavior, right? When we can expand into what is this experience bringing up for me? What is it that I want to create inside of this home, inside of this relationship? When we start there, I think we have a lot more power and a lot more expansiveness around Mm -hmm. where we can go with our family. So I love that. math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Today, we're talking about the holidays, the holiday season, which is quickly, I think I'm in denial Um, My husband and I are going out of town for a week next week. And so I'm just focused on that. And then the very next week is Thanksgiving. Um, We're talking about making the holiday season a special time, specifically for you families with adolescents, with teenagers. And for a lot of families with teens, you're in my community. I hear you and I see you. It's a struggle right now. The pandemic has such, it's just wreaked havoc on the life of teens and on their families. And like what you said around each new stage and phase, we get to pivot, we get to adapt. What are you hearing from families right now about the struggles that, uh, especially the parents of teens, what's going on?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of people Being a teenager is hard in the first place, right? They're hormonal, they're moody, they're going through all these things like making friends, keeping friends, uh, allegiance to friends, cliques, grades, all this stuff is being compounded on them right now, right? And now on top of that, they have the pandemic. So, so many parents have talked to me about how to try to help their teen through this crazy minefield. The problem is that parents are struggling too, Yeah, we're in the minefield. We are in the the minefield. minefield. (laughs) We are in it with them, right? But so it's like, how do I help my kid and help myself? Yeah. So that's really what I'm hearing, that people are just struggling because life is hard right now. You know, the pandemic obviously is a big part of that. There's so much insecurity around jobs, around what you can do socially, around schooling and all these things. So everyone in the family is struggling a bit. So that those are the kinds of conversations I'm having, those kinds of questions I'm building. I want parents to remember, and this is even hard for me for or my teen, our kids, our teens' brains aren't fully developed yet, right? So mm-hmm. we have all of these things we want them to do. We want them to be more responsible, to react a certain way, to do this, to do that. Well, their brains can't do that yet, right? And so we have to give them a little bit of grace. We have to give them a a pass on some certain things. I know it's very hard for parents to do, but keeping in mind that our kids are not mature adults yet and won't always act maturely takes a little bit of the edge off because we have all these expectations. Like, why didn't he do this? Why didn't she do that? I told them to do X, Y, and Z. Well, you know what? Kids don't get up in the morning and do their math homework. They don't want to. (laughs) They're not supposed to, even if you want them to. And it's not Um, a character
0: flaw. Like, no. It is not a character flaw that your kids don't
1: care about cleaning their rooms. Like, yeah.
2: or okay, shower, everybody, or
1: <laughs> Calm down. Yeah. This is what you know, and so we're we're always piling on all this pressure. And I make a mistake, and I do it myself, even though I've read every study, talked to every expert in the world, and I and I know where his mind is at right now and i still get upset when he doesn't do something i tell him to do that's natural but we have to kind of step back especially like this time of the year like one of the best gifts you can give to yourself and your kid is giving everyone a little break you know take cut cut down those expectations um you know just a little bit you know of course you don't want them to fail out of school and go skateboard all day that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is allow them to make mistakes know that they will make mistakes and help guide them through those mistakes
0: Yeah, I'm so in this with my 18 year old and some realizations that she's having about some of the choices that she's recently been making for herself. And, you know, some of our kids, they just want to take the hardest possible route. And I try to really keep her focused on like what these choices offered for her, like the flexing that she gets to do around. Being a self advocate and finding resiliency Mm -hmm. and sticking with it, like it's really powerful. And, you know, considering that her, even at 18, continuing to develop that that brain, you know, she receives it as she receives it. And I, I love that you said that because just last night in a parent group, in my membership group on our coaching call, one of the super wise moms reminded another mom, you know, like, We get into these conversations with our teens and, and, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about this is our kids pulling away, isolating. Sometimes that can look like, you know, rejection and some disrespectful behavior. And when we were talking about coming into conversation with our kids and teasing it apart and setting our boundaries and, Mm -hmm. and stepping into mutual respect, this mom said, you know, remember too, that the empathy that you as the parent are looking for is an inappropriate expectation for this 13 year old. Like they're That's not right. there. And again, That's right. it's not the fault of the child. It's not bad parenting. It's not yep. character flaws. It's simply where they're at. And I, that was, I mean, that just landed so hard yeah. with me when she said that, because yeah. we expect that, you know, like do you know how it feels to be treated X, Y, Z? Do you know, you know, we expect them to know what we need inside of this relationship. And yet they haven't had enough life experience yeah. to yeah. develop
1: that lens. And it's okay to set boundaries and set yeah. rules, but you also have to be okay with reminding them of those. Like, you know, I, yeah. I, I, so many parents told me, like, I told him that this is what he's supposed to do. And I'm like, you know what? kids mm-hmm. need to be reminded. It is yeah. okay that you have to continually tell him that. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have to be willing to engage with our kids to be that person that helps remind them and teaches them and helps them along. It's not, mm-hmm. they, they're not going to intuitively get it. That's just yeah. not the way children yeah. work. And you're still our child through, through your teens. It's like in your early, t- fine, you know, 24. Okay. They, yeah. <laughs> they maybe. They need to like, Hopefully. maybe, right? <laughs> but you know, when you're talking about people in their teens, it's just, we're there to help guide them, to reassure them. So we want to give them rules. Like, I think that's really important. We want to give them Mm -hmm. rules and boundaries and guidance, but we also want to help lift them up. And Mm -hmm. I find that in so, in in these modern stressful times, we are more often coming down in our kids, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we also have to build up their ability to be self-advocates. I love that you use that word because that's huge. Kids need to know how to ask for help, go to someone when something is wrong or when they feel Mm -hmm. scared or hurt or in danger or want something to be better. But they also have to have a sense of confidence that they have a right to advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and, And I feel that as that gets lost in this craziness that we're living right now. But we yeah. also have to make time to, yes, give them rules and structure and boundaries, but also lift them up and let them know that you're going to make mistakes, but you, I'm giving you the foundation. where You're going to be OK. And, yeah. and here's how, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's a hard. It's like not a perfect science being a parent. And every kid's yeah. different, right? Oh my every gosh, yes. Every kid has different needs. And and there's a different approach to helping every kid. So we have to be more flexible. I think that is one thing I want parents to be, just more flexible. Mm -hmm. What worked for your sister's kids may not work for your kids.
0: Right. And by the way, when the door closes at your sister's house, you really don't know what's going on over there. So I think that (laughs) (laughs) we get really down on ourselves, right? Because it looks like everyone else, well, sometimes it can look like everyone else has it together and none of us have it together. We have moments, yeah. I think. There's moments of having it together. And and yeah. yay. Like let's just aim for that. Let's set the bar <laughs> there, right? So, as my listeners know, I am a positive discipline trainer, and mm-hmm. I've really been talking about positive discipline as a relationship-centered approach. So, it really leans heavy on the relationship and the connection that's happening between parent and child and, you know, due to everything we just mentioned and brain development, and stress of holidays, like things can feel, for a lot of parents, it feels, relationship feels really frayed right now. Yeah. And so they're yeah. navigating that. The holidays are rolling in. What are some things that parents can do to keep the stress level down so that they can even be available for relationship with their teens?
1: Right. So this is something that I've tried with my own kids. I mean, the four-year-old, nuts. Not so much (laughs) because he's like, I just want to play cars. Leave me alone. Um, Perfect. But with a teenager, we have conversations every day. Right. And it started actually before he was a team, but this, this couldn't work with kids at any way, any age, but, you know, when we're driving home from school or we're driving to an appointment or something like that, that's the time I used to kind of like try to connect with him mm. and ask him like, Oh, how was your friends, you know, such and such doing, or like, you know, did anything happen at school? Did they make you laugh? You don't want to just ask them how your day was. Cause I no kid that. answers that, you know? So I said, did you, and another one, I said, did you do something, did you do something nice for someone today? Or mm. did someone do something nice for you? And did you see something in the cafeteria that you thought wasn't cool? You know, mm-hmm. behavior that you. So to kind of engage them in making them think that you care about what they're thinking and what's going on. And I'm not there to judge it. And I'm not there to correct what he saw or anything. I'm there to listen. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, Oh my God, that's crazy. Or, or what did you think about that? Or, you know, something like that. So I think like engaging with your kids when you're not reprimanding them, telling them something to do or barking instructions is really an important way to connect with them, especially now. Like I have developed this relationship with my teenager where he tells me things. And I think it's like such a miracle, <laughs> you know, it and, and it's so nice because I let him tell me things without me jumping all over it, even when I'm a little alarmed. And then later I might come back to it, right? I don't, in that moment when he's sharing, I don't be like, oh my God, that's, don't do that. You know, or so-and-so did that, that's crazy. I'm just like listening. And then like like, later I'll follow up and make sure to follow up with a conversation, whether it's later that night or the next morning or what have you. Mm -hmm. Obviously there's something dangerous. You jump in right away and do your parent thing. But engaging with your kids when there's no expectation of reaction, Right, mm-hmm. so it's not like the are telling them, "I want you to do X, Y, and Z. Go do X, Y, and Z." This is just really trying to engage, and you know when we hear that ki- that phrase, "Meet them where they are." Yep. In my mind, this is the example of meeting where you where they are, talking about what they're seeing, what they're feeling, what they're doing, and just listening to them. Yeah. And um, you know, it's hard. Te- you know, teenagers are a tough crowd, but you have to keep trying, right? Yeah. And you have to keep trying to uh, not be their best friend, but be a listener for them. Yeah,
0: to be I love that, Erica. And it's something I talk about with how I talk to my kids as well. And I think there's something to be said too for our kids are willing to share with us when they know, when we've established, when we've modeled and given them evidence that we can be a non-judgmental listener, mm-hmm. right? So anybody mm-hmm. that's, that's right. out there that's like, Ugh, I can't ask those questions. My kids don't respond. I am just going to encourage you to take a minute and really get honest with yourself. And notice, think back to some of the times when your kids have opened up to you and have you been able to hold whatever it is that they've shared with you in a non-judgmental space. And I love this Mm -hmm. in the context of bringing the stress level down, because I know for me, when I'm sitting outside of, my kids experience and I'm making guesses about what they think and how they feel, making assumptions, that's when I can really start to go to the dark place, right? Well, oh, (laughs) they probably think this, and this is probably what's happening. And worst case scenario, the road just gets paved to worst case scenario, right? Versus like what you're saying with these questions and listening to really understand to me, that's also about listening not just to understand what they're saying, listening to understand their experience. I also listen for like, we talk a lot about kids and screens and we're all worried about porn and predators, right? Like our kids are sitting targets and our kids have also been raised in an environment that is constantly talking about online safety. Like our kids have way more skill. Not that there aren't (laughs) sitting ducks out there for predators, but... Like they have way more skill than we give them credit for. And I feel like these kinds of conversations, like with my kids, I'm, I ask things like, so what are your tells? Like, what are the things when people show up in your DMs who you don't mm-hmm. know, how do you know it, whether or not it's a creepy 40-year-old man looking to scam you or just some kid who's a friend of a friend, which happens all right. the time? you know, and then hearing from them, okay, well, here's what I do. I look at their profile. I see how many friends they have. I do this. Like there's all sorts of red flags that our kids already have. And so having conversations, I think, or like, wow, I read this article about vaping. What do you think about vaping? No eye contact, right? Side by side (laughs) in the car. (laughs)
1: Right, right, right. And
0: feeling it out so that we can calm down. Cause we have right. a better understanding of our kid and they also get this opportunity to realize like, wow, mom or dad can handle having these conversations. So I'm going right. to bring it to them when right. I need to.
1: Yeah. And then what I've also noticed is that it's really both parent. If there's a two parent household, mm-hmm. it's really both parents who are able to do this. Right. <laughs> it's usually, and in my house, I'm the more laid back listener. My husband's the more like what, you know, like very cons- more conservative. Mm-hmm. And so I I really want, if if you're, one of you has to be this person, right? Yeah. One of them has to be for your benefit and your kid's benefit. And then you can always report to the more conservative parent, <laughs> right? like yeah. what's going on. And that's what I yeah. do. I'm like, well, you know, he talks to me because and this is what he, what he said about XYZ. Yeah. And you you it's and it takes work. Like don't think that you're gonna the first day you try, you're gonna get the answers you, you want. It, it's just like any relationship you build. You've built your relationship with your partner. You have mm-hmm. built a friendship. When you're talking about a relationship where you want your kids to talk to you, you have to build that. You have to build mm-hmm. up to that. Yeah. And I so I don't want people to get discouraged if they try and it's it's not working, but you have to keep Keep at it. Yeah, yeah.
0: One of the things that I uh, will offer to parents too, like not only keep at it, but if they're, you know, it might also sound like, hey, so I notice that you get real quiet when I ask you questions, and I'm wondering if it feels like whatever you say, I'm going to have an opinion about. Yeah. Right. Like I, 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 yeah. I love kind of that idea of pulling, like pull the bullshit curtain to the side yeah. and just be yeah. super real, like. We've yeah. set up a dynamic. You're in every single one of us is in a dynamic that we were part of co-creating with our kids. And if that dynamic isn't working for you, then start to play around with what your part of it has been, own right. it, and then pivot yeah. into something into something different and give your kids time, Yeah, you know, because they might be like, right. yeah, I hear this weekly and you still keep showing up the same. So we'll see, <laughs>
1: right? And, <I> think <laughs> to, and to get into that mind space, Parents need to think about what they were like when they were 15 years old yeah. and the kind of person they wanted to open up to and talk right. to. And, you know, and, it's, and it's so hard. We're so far from that period that sometimes it's hard to, to take ourselves back there emotionally, but you really have to think about it. Like, are you the kind of person that a teenager would want to open up to? And if you're not, then kind of change the way you talk to that teenager or relate to that teenager. Mm-hmm in those quiet moments, you know, we don't yeah. we don't all like I said, we don't always have to be barking instructions to them. We can and, and and honestly it it helps take the stress off, right? So if you do have this time in the day where you can just talk to your kid and it not be about what they did right or wrong, but about like who they are and what they're going through, it just it just makes parenting a little less scary. Yeah.
0: I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. Okay, we have to talk about holidays now, Erica. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, joy. Joy, joy. So yeah, talk to me because, you know, but, but that's the thing, right? Like it's so there's this like magic when they're little and there's Santa and there's candles, yeah. you know, depending on your tradition, there's that magic that exists with our little right. kids that is challenging, to say the least, to keep <laughs> alive, way. right, with these older right. kids. So talk a little bit about how important traditions around the holidays are for families, even as their kids get older.
1: Right. So, you know, traditions are important, right? They're things that they can go back to every year and everyone remembers and everyone loves. So that's the hope. But what I have found is that sometimes we're so stuck on the way we've always done things mm-hmm. that we're, uh, we're so inflexible about Adapting or changing or adding new traditions. And I think as your kids get older, you know, they they may not be interested in Santa or they may not be interested in whatever it is that you do with. Well, they're family interested in they're interested in what Santa's going to bring them. Well, they're interested in, yeah, <laughs> in getting stuff. <laughs> but maybe if you've always had like, you know, you make popcorn strings or you make your stockings or you go to this place or that, whatever you know. Mm-hmm. I am a big advocate on keeping some of your old traditions, but adding new ones and adding new ones that your teenagers will be interested in and want to do and making them a part of that process. And that kind of helps Like you said, it helps the buy-in. It helps them feel excited about it. Because if we kind of force things on them, you know, you're, you're. We all know what a teenager looks like when they don't want to do something and they're annoyed, but they're there because you're making them be there. And then we're upset because we're like, why aren't you grateful? Don't you want to? Aren't you happy to be with your family? And how dare you not be in the holiday mood? (laughs) Right. (laughs) What about doing something like you know? So I'd say like if you have traditions like. But if you have five family old traditions, right, keep two, add two new ones. Mm -hmm. You know, what's wrong with that? Mm -hmm. I think people need to, parents need to be more flexible about adapting to what their family and their kids are like. And I'm not saying not doing things together, still do things together, but get everyone, you know, like, hey, what do you guys want to do this year? Do you want to go? I mean, no, no one carols anymore, but do you know what I mean? Or do you want to go to, you know? aunt so-and-so's house and like help decorate her house or go while we watch a movie. Like let's do, let's pick, you know, on the 12 days of Christmas, let's do 12 movies and everyone gets to pick two or whatever it is, like just kind of like evolve and adapt and still do things as a family that everyone in the family can feel good about.
0: Yeah. I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about when my kids were little, I feel like I had a better connection to community events, cause they're mm-hmm. all gauged, you know, like all the newsletters I was getting at the time through their school and everything like, oh, tree right. lighting or, you know, art walk holiday theme. And I was just yeah. thinking all of that continues to be available. It's just not landing in my inbox. So that's, you know, one thing that came to mind as well is to kind of revisit what are some of the community traditions that are happening. And like you said, invite the kids to pick, let's pick one of these. Which, ones, yeah. which one do you wanna go to? Something that we did last year. So we've always done advent calendars mm-hmm. and my parents are hilarious. They always send my kids ad like, you know, my daughter gets one from like the body shop. And last year, my poor son, he got an <laughs> advent awesome. calendar. Yeah, it was super awesome for her. Ian got a hot sauce advent calendar. So oh, in the end, no. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> I don't understand this. So funny. And we've had, you know, different little things where it's like a piece of chocolate every day. And last yeah. year, you know, we were all home. It was 2020. Yeah. And we have this cute little advent calendar with little doors and you can decide what to put in where. And I invited the kids. I had no idea how this would land. Okay. But I asked the kids, I said, how about each of us get six of these little pieces of paper and you get to write six, activities that we can do together as a family. And then we're just oh, going to awesome. mix them all up. And the kids were like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And it, and I said, if you have things where you need supplies, let me know. I'll make sure there's supplies. We watched movies and we baked and we did YouTube I painting classes. Yeah. It was really, really cool. And you know, this year is a lot busier. So like the pivot, like you're talking about, be flexible. I'm thinking, okay, maybe this year, instead of six activities, you know, each kid could pick two things we could do together. And then the other four might be prompts for conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. Really cool.
0: So yeah. I'm going to play with that and see what they think about that.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think also, also parents shouldn't be so reluctant to bring in their friends. Yeah. To activities or even family gatherings or things you want to do in in your home or or even trips you want to take, like bringing in helping them also foster a sense of community outside your home is Mm -hmm. also incredibly important. And as when they're teens, sometimes their friends are very important to them yeah. so you know i know in my house we always include my older son's friends you know mm-hmm. we have some kind of big dinner or a celebration or whatever like invite a couple of friends over and it's like it's nice for everyone it's nice for yeah. him because he feels like you know he's not just forced with his four-year-old brother <laughs> yeah <sighs> um but he has fun and his friends have fun so i feel i feel as though that's another part of being flexible by inviting other people in and helping your kid also maintain Maintain and solidify connections to other people that they think are important to them.
3: I love that. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. No one told us
2: the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I am Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.
0: Now, I saw a little video clip of you, Erica, Uh-oh. talking. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a few. I did a little deep dive today. Um, but the one talking about gratitude, mm-hmm. and you had some great ideas around how to foster gratitude in our families. Will you share a little bit about some of your gratitude ideas?
1: Yeah, I'm not quite sure which video that you saw, but I do talk and write a lot about gratitude. And I feel as though, you know, we always are telling our kids, be grateful, be grateful, but kids learn the learning should be experiential with kids. That's yeah, what stays that. in their mind. Mm-hmm. That is, that is how we cement this idea of gratitude. So, and it doesn't mean we just have to be around the holidays. Every single day I walk out of my building. I live in New York city and we, and we live in an apartment building and there's a doorman downstairs. Our, my kids cannot leave or come in the door without saying, thank you. or not saying, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. Or, and I know that's like tiny, but if it's your mailman, if it's your neighbor, if it's who, whoever it is that you run into, your kids should know there's a baseline of respect, mm-hmm. right? And thanking the people that help them, whether it's at the pharmacy or the grocery store. So that's like mm-hmm. the baseline of gratitude because you know their jobs are hard and you want your kids to be grateful for it. But then when, you, when it comes to like bigger things, right? Every year, one of the things that we do is like Santa doesn't come until we give away things that Mm. we don't use, that are nice things that we don't use that someone else can use, right? Mm -hmm. So we give away clothes, we give away shoes, we give away toys, and I make my kids choose them. Mm -hmm. It's easy for, it'll be easy for me to go in there and do it, but the act of, and and I tell them why, like we're giving this, so not everyone can have Brand new toys. Not everyone gets everyone has warm clothes during the mm-hmm. cold weather. And and I don't feel that four is too young to express that. Like yeah, and yeah. Then I did it with my older one and I started when he was young. And so and then we choose a place to donate together. Mm-hmm. And now it's like more of just dropping off because we can't go in places. Yeah. And we also spend time with people that we think are we wonder if they're lonely. We have neighbors mm-hmm. who don't seem to have any family. So I have my kids make cards. And, you know, my little make Play-Doh art for for the neighbor Mm -hmm. and just kind of just teaching them, you know, this person doesn't have a lot of family. They don't have grandkids that are going to make really nice things for them. So let's do that because we're so grateful that we have a bigger family and that we have, you know, people who love us and surround us. So, again, it's experiential and kids really need to be a part of it for it to really sink in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And... It's all stressful, right? We're still, they're oh, still teenagers. Geez. We're still parents. We're still. It's just, you know, Christmas is, comes on Saturday. It's still just a regular Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some tips that you have for us around taking care of ourselves as we move right. through the season?
1: So, I have one that not everyone's going to agree with, but this is how I've come in, in my years, what I had decided. Five years ago, that I will be no longer making a turkey. I will be buying a turkey from someplace that is. Oh my dumb. God, thank God. Because someone else can make it a lot better than I can. And it was something <laughs> that stressed me out so much. I and mean, I can make the sides, I can make all the other stuff like that. But something about the turkey, because if that's not right, you just feel like you've ruined all it. Oh, and and then stress, just- it's stressful forever. And I impose that stress yeah. on myself because I want that's the one thing I want to be perfect. I can't do it perfectly. I own it. I accept it. I'm gonna go <laughs> buy
0: it. I <laughs> mean so, did that, you have to do some therapy around that, Erica? <laughs> I know, right? Like I really I come to I own it, it. I
1: accept it. Yeah. I
0: am passing on the turkey responsibility.
1: Yes. Love my mother in law is looking at me with side eye, being like, Oh, she didn't make her own turkey. But I'm okay with that. That's but fine. It's, it's the kind of thing where you have to figure out what is giving you the most stress and what can you let go of. For me, yeah. it was making the turkey. Um, and for other people, it's, you know, the craziness of shopping. And I don't, here's here's another thing that not every parent agrees with, but you don't have to buy your kid every single thing on their list. <laughs> you don't. Everybody teenagers listening to that? Teenagers want yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. Right. yeah, exactly. If we bought everything on their list, it's like, well, we can't pay the mortgage.
1: <laughs> right, I'm like, you know, I, my kids get one big thing each mm-hmm. and then some little stuff mm-hmm. and, and they're fine with it. You know, I didn't know this when I was a, a, a younger parent and I would kind of go crazy with my older one when he was little and we went away for Christmas one year and all that could fit in the suitcase was like three little toys, like two cars and a stuffed animal. He was mm-hmm. little, he was like four and he loved it and he played with it. And then at home, I had had the Christmas, tree had a ton of more gifts under it and we weren't going to get back till after Christmas. And you know what I realized that I wasted all that time and money because he was happy with his three little gifts. And we, we kind of create these little monsters who think they should get tons of presents and everything that that, that they want. You don't have to do that to give your kids a nice Christmas. And I think that helps relieve some of the pressure because I see parents like going crazy, going broke really. Yeah. And stressing out. And especially now financially, the times are very hard. And I think it's okay to tell your kids, you know, everyone's going to get three things this year. What three things do you want? Or, or make a list of things you want, where you're going to Santa, or if you have kids who believe in Santa, Santa's going to bring you three of them. Or if you have an older kid, you're like, you know what? Everyone's getting like three things. And mm-hmm. that's fine too. Mm-hmm. So I think like managing <laughs> your own expectations and your family's expectations about gifts yeah. is really important. And I also think taking a breather, and I, I was guilty of this today. Today was like, felt like a day from hell for me. I was running around just like going crazy. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to like go and buy a lipstick. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's like, for me, I like that. Like I like lipstick. I'm going to take 20 minutes. And go into the beauty supply store and mm-hmm. buy this. And I know that like people think that's like so frivolous, but for me, it's a little relief, it was a little break in the craziness of my day. And I made the time for it. And yes, I had to go back to rushing afterwards. But people need to make time for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that parents don't realize, or people in general, your happiness matters. And I, mm-hmm. in my book, I talk about this research of twenty two. Developed countries, and of 22 developed countries, it was the parents in the U.S. that were the least happy. And mm. that Americans
0: we, get it together. I know. We,
1: have, <laughs> you know, we have such a, we have a developed country. There's access to a lot more than so many other countries out there but we are the least happy. And if there, there are a lot of things that go into that. We don't have yeah. the kind of support with childcare. We, we don't have paid leave. We don't, there's so many things that go into making parenting stressful, but part of it is that we don't make time for ourselves. And mm-hmm. what's important to remember is that the things that make you happy outside your family, whether mm-hmm. it's knitting or running or work or whatever it is that you like, that brings you joy, that sparks some joy in you, is also important. You have to make time for that. Yeah. So that's something I really, really want people to take home and remember, I'm not saying it has to be, don't like leave your family and go live on the beach in Hawaii. (laughs) That's Uh, not what I'm saying. Sounds sounds pretty good. (laughs) But it's okay if the dinner isn't like a gourmet meal and you took that time, you took part of that time to do something for yourself in the evening.
0: I I mean, I love that example that you gave today, like you were having this day and it's just like, like I'm picturing you I've not spent hardly any time in New York City, but I have a vision of you just like, you know, swinging open that door and stepping in and taking that (laughs) breath of air and the beauty supply. And like, I'm just gonna get myself some lipstick right now and calm Mm -hmm. the F down, right? And right, yeah, and I think that we forget that there is enough time in the day to take a pause, right? There's enough, there's enough time in the day to relax for a minute, take a pause, feel your feet on the ground. I like to, you know, mm-hmm. that's a mentor. My mentor talks about feeling your feet on the ground, connecting with the connection that we have to the earth and just like mm-hmm. allowing mm-hmm. for the moment to be there. Everything and else breathing. is going to, yeah, and breathing. Everything else is is waiting, right? It's yeah. fine.
1: It'll still be there. Yeah, yeah. It'll still be there. And I, so I think like too, and it's I think one of the things I noticed is that so many people don't take deep breaths. And I'm not yeah. talking about when you're hyperventilating. I'm just talking about like <laughs> just taking. Uh, yeah. And, and e- even that two seconds is something people aren't doing for themselves.
0: So, or the I, eye I, roll, like, okay, yeah, 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 I know I need to breathe. No, it's like, no, really. Yeah. No.
1: Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I'm walking home and I'm coming from the grocery store because in, in New York, we don't really drive to the grocery store, It's very fascinating to, to me. And walk. Yeah. All right. You have your bag <laughs> and I'll see a bench and I'll sit down for like five and I'll be like, before I go to the craziness of the grocery store, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to call my best friend who lives in Michigan and we're going to gossip or gab or whatever we want about whatever we want to for a few minutes. And then I'm going to go home and do what I need to do for my family. Yeah. And those moments are so important and, and, and they're okay. And also people are so overwhelmed and crazy and hectic and they live these like totally, you know, can't catch their breath kind of lives. Our children are seeing that. You know, when you think about what your kids are going to be like as an adult, do you want them to be frazzled and feel completely overwhelmed and never make time for themselves? Of course not. Be the kind of adult you want your child to be. Mm. Yes. So at every age, whether you have little kids, big kids or teens, they're watching
0: Yeah, they are. I love that. Okay, I love this conversation. Erica, I'm sure all of you that are listening, you were probably like, oh, tips for the holidays. Here's the thing. There's no formula for the holidays. Like this is about being in relationship with the people in your family. I love that we talked about, you know, growing and nurturing, how we can grow and nurture that with our teens. Mm -hmm. I love that we talked a little bit about tradition and buy-in and being flexible and that piece around taking care of yourself, especially permission not to cook the turkey. Thank you. Um, Is there anything else as we wrap up, Erica, that you want to make sure to land or to share today with the listeners?
1: Yeah, I think one of the best gifts you can give yourself this season is finding out what you want to do outside of family and work. Finding that hobby or that activity or that thing that can just be your own and not enough of us have that thing that is our Mm -hmm. own, that has nothing to do with your kids or your partner. you need to make a connection to the world outside of your family responsibilities. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It doesn't have to be something that takes away from your family, but it's something that you do for yourself. Like I said, it could be running, it could be gardening, uh, Mm -hmm. whatever, going to a horse farm and riding a horse once a week, whatever it is. You deserve that, and you need that. And I think yeah. that people don't realize how much they need space and time for themselves. Yeah. And for some people, it'll be like me, they do it on a Sunday. part of people will be ten minutes a day. Yeah. And just please give yourself that gift and it'll it'll really it'll help you get through some of these hectic days because you'll have that to look forward to. Right. And you'll know that that's there for you, yeah, I
0: love that because we're moving into holiday season and then we'll move out of it. But then mm-hmm. we'll be moving into spring. And all the spring, I mean, it's just not necessarily, and now we're done, right? It's an ebb and a flow and all of the things that we talked about today are super useful for the rest of the year as well. So thank you so much. And everybody, if you need permission to get yourself a little bit of a life outside of your family and your work, Erica and I are here giving you permission okay full permission full permission
1: forth and have fun
0: (laughs) yes please (laughs) please so my final question that i always close with with my guests is what does joyful courage mean to you
1: well when i think about courage being courageous is one of the scariest things we can do but it's also the most beneficial Mm -hmm. right without kind of stepping out or stepping in to something you just never know what you can be or what you can do. And I think I want people, I, when I think about joyful courage, I think about embracing that fear and embracing that, you know, that fear of change and moving forward and, all the, and how joyful you will be because you tried, hmm. because you wanted to do something wonderful or, or be something wonderful or help your kids do or be something wonderful. And you took that step and you did it. And it, it just brings so much joy. And so that's how I think of joyful courage, maybe how everyone thinks about it. But courage is one of the most important things we can be as people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't try, you'll never know. Yep. Every day, just getting up and out of bed.
0: You're Mm -hmm. sparking your courage. I love that. Thank you, Erica. Where can people find you and your offers and your book and follow your work?
1: well you can find most of my work at com. it's e-r-i-c-k-a-s-o-u-t-e-r that's my website but i also um i'm constantly writing for the bump webmd cafe mom mom.com so i write about parenting i explore the issue you can also follow me on instagram which is also my name where i post my work or i post studies or things of interest to parents so I'm out there and you can contact me through my website if you have any questions or you want to connect or anything like that, because this is what I love to do. I love connecting with parents and talking about our challenges and trying to find solutions. Yes. And your book. Oh yeah, my book. Sorry, Talk about, about your about how book. Have- <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, of course, of course. It's called How to Have a Kid a Life. You can find it at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Target, wherever awesome. books are sold. You can also order it through my website. So, Please take a look. It is a wonderful, wonderful read. It's it's funny. It has lots of anecdotes. I spent time interviewing two hundred moms across this country Fun. over five years. Lots of interesting stories and and something for everyone. Whether you're single mom, new mom, mom of teens, it, it it really is a it's a great book for parents.
0: Awesome, thank you, and listeners. I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. Erica, thank you so much for spending time with me today. This was great. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. I have to tell you all, I turned off the record button after that interview was over and I just spontaneously said, I love you to Erica. Wasn't she so dreamy? I really liked her. Please don't forget that I would love, love, love for you to leave a review about this show on Apple Podcasts. I know that you get a lot out of listening to this show. You send me DMs and emails and let me know that it's powerful for you. What would really, really, really help me out, a great way to pay it forward is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't know how to do that, send me an email and I'll help you. I work super hard each week to stand out and make an impact. Your reviews help the show be seen by more parents. Apple will actually show it as my reviews get more abundant and the rating gets better. What happens is Apple's like, oh, this is a really popular show. Let's show it to more people who are listening to podcasts about parenting. So your review really helps me to be seen by more parents. Thank you. Also, follow Joyful Courage, Joyful underscore courage on Instagram and Facebook. You can join my Facebook group at Joyful Courage Parents of Teens. I love connecting with you on social media. Take a screenshot right now of this episode. Like pick up your phone if you're listening through your phone. You know, the screen will light up. It will show the episode on the page on the screen. Take a screenshot and share it in your socials. Tag me and I'll reshare. Okay, let's get the word out. Have a beautiful week, my friends. I'll be back next week. And I'm really excited again for that challenge to start on Wednesday. Come join me in there. I'll see you soon. Love you.
3: Hello, you sentient ball of stardust.